This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk Show 18. I can't believe we've done 18 already. It seems like we started just a couple of weeks ago. Today we are going to do things backwards. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you know we usually have uh, news and reviews on first, but we're going to do it the other way around. Uh, you'll work out why uh, a bit later in the show. Um, joining me in the studio are our special guests of today. They are two young writers whose new show, Wasted, starts on the uh, 26th of July on E4. Uh, they are BAFTA-winning writers. They're geniuses. They are <laughs> they are, they've said to me that they don't mind me bigging them up as much as possible. They are probably the greatest writers that have ever lived. Um, their previous work, they've worked on shows like Cuckoo, uh, Paddington the Film, uh, World of Gumball. Um, they are, of course, James Lamont and John Foster. Hello, chap. Chaps. Hello. Hey, how are you? Uh, so, um, you uh, can you just um, like clarify who's who for the people uh, at home? I'm John. Uh, John Foster. And I'm James, and you can always tell a spark because I'm the one that looks like a fat Wolverine. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit taller. That doesn't work quite on uh, radio, uh, audio only, um, but... Uh, uh, I imagine I sound like a fat Wolverine. Yeah, okay. So uh, if you can imagine a fat Wolverine, I, I, that's your words, that's not my mine. Words, my words, yeah. You've also got a little bit of a Kevin Smith about you as well. I have had that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Kevin Smith, especially when I wear sportswear. And also, <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. like weird ice hockey <laughs> yeah. If I were you, I'd leave with Kevin Smith. Smith over yeah. You think Maybe. so? I would, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think he's disappointed less people. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think you'd, uh, you'd people would, when they see you after they've said, oh, imagine Kevin Smith, they go, oh, no, yeah. you're, you're actually much better looking uh, than that. Well, Whereas with Wolverine, they're always going to It's go, always ah, a downgrade. Yeah, 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 you're, yeah. Always, yeah you're always playing um, second fiddle. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, we're going to start the show, actually, because we always get our guests to pick some uh, either score or music from films, um, and sometimes TV shows. Uh, you guys have uh, picked a couple of, um, couple of beauties, actually, and this first one brings back a lot of memories uh, from my childhood, because it, appear- it seems to have appeared in every film from the 80s. Um, maybe you guys have a specific film that you remember it from. What's the song? Tell us the song. Um, it's called... Um Oh yeah, by <laughs> Yellow, but it's also known as um, uh, every eighties film. Yeah, um, how's it go? Like Ooh yeah yeah, De Bow Bow. I don't know if anyone calls it that. De Bow Bow. <laughs> Actually, interestingly, we also use it in in our show. Yeah, we? we do. Yeah, we ah. yeah we loved it so much. We we put, put it in one of our episodes. Yeah, but there's probably an entire audience that don't know that song. They will know it. They definitely will know it. They just might not know that they know it. Yeah, it's like Ferris Bueller. Yeah, Secret of My Success. Basically, anything in the eighties where like a young, got sort a bit of sexy. slightly precocious, yeah, uh, upstart is doing something a bit sexy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suddenly, yeah. he looks at a woman and there's like a fan on, and then <laughs> this song starts. Yeah, uh, I love this. I I remember it. This is a very controversial thing to say because I know people adore this film, but I never liked Ferris Bueller. I never. You know I had it's a, not. It's had not yeah, as good not as it should be. Well, it's not the film itself. It's just I watched it recently because someone was saying to me, "I think you're insane for not liking that film. It's so good." Yeah. And I love all uh, John Hughes's other films. Um, it's John Hughes, isn't it? I am getting that right. No, I'm, I'm sure it's so, John yeah, Hughes. So, yeah. And um, and I rewatched it recently, and the same feelings came back, which was he was the sort of kid I fucking hated at school. <laughs> Not only is he massively privileged, living in a huge house, yeah. but he's getting away with doing whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. Really, and that's I think I subconsciously felt that as a kid. I was like, I don't like this. Anyway, well, he, well he's dead now, so. Oh. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> what, the character? Or are both, you breaking news about Matthew Brooks? Really? Wow, you've heard it here first. His, his spirit died um, while making I, that yeah. film. I do he's rem- a dick, though. Ferris <laughs> Bueller's a dick. Oh, yeah. Bueller is. I don't know okay. about, I think, I don't know about him. I feel him like you keep personally. trying to slander uh, uh, Matthew Broderick or say he's dead. But I remember it more from Secret of My Success because it's so big in that, the limousine scene. Limousine scene. Limousine scenes that you don't get enough of anymore these days. Limousine scenes and like close-ups of like older women putting on lipstick yes yeah, yeah. Oh, it's because it's hard to film in a limousine yeah. yeah yeah okay well this is oh yeah by yellow wow 
One of the most beautiful love songs ever written. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most um, repetitive love songs. Yeah, right? so you just mentioned, so you've got this show Wasted coming out uh, yep. on E4 on the 26th of July, and you mentioned that you use this. I want to bring that up in a second, but first of all, can you just ex- uh, describe what your show is? Because I don't quite know how to. <laughs> I think <laughs> the best good thing, I think, yeah. is one yeah. of, the, yeah, in terms of a one-liner, how do you describe it? It's about it? four friends who've known each other since school, who've never left their home village mm-hmm. um, and also one of them is having strange visions of Sean Bean yeah who's kind of like the character's spirit guide that comes to him meets him in the woods in his dreams and it's set in the west country in a sort of nondescript village but we've, we've always imagined that it's very near Stonehenge so okay. the show sort of has a surreal mythical vibe yeah, to yeah. it yeah and one of the things that we tried to do with the show and um, with our director Tom Marshall who's great um, was sort of go for like visual cinematic-y sort of I wouldn't go so far as to say surreal but like heightened Mm -hmm. sort of visual set pieces so it sort of lifts it out of your sort of traditional sort of people sat around in a pub kind of a sitcom and uh, the the title Wasted refers to the fact that you know it has two meanings Uh, (laughs) well basically yeah it's about it's about it's about you know a time in your life when you know you sort of not particularly ambitious and time flies by and you're kind of oh, God, making, remember f- that. making fun of well you're bored but you're making fun of the boredom yeah. um, but also it's about uh, characters getting fucking wasted yeah, yeah which um, was the thing that really stunned me about how because uh, I watched the first episode uh, which has some re- very funny stuff in it by the way and um, I was surprised that you managed to get a show commissioned that Seems to evolve, uh, evolve around purely people finding and drugs and getting fucked off their heads. There is, yeah, I mean, there's, times yeah. have changed on television, but <laughs> yeah. that's allowed to be at the forefront I rather mean, than hidden. We did ditch subtlety with this. Yeah. yeah, and actually, I mean, I suppose the, the first episode that features quite strongly. But actually, as the series goes on, you'll you'll hopefully realise that it's not just about that. Yeah, it's not only about that. Yeah, but there are. But it does feature. Well, that was going to be my question because th- that's obviously quite um, uh, prominent in the first episode, and yeah. it's sure. called Wasted. So I was like, wow. They've, managed, they've gone into Channel 4 and said, uh, we want to make a show about drugs. <laughs> and you know gone, yeah. weirdly, weirdly, the show's been in development for a long time. Right. And the only thing that's been consistent from the beginning was the characters. Do you know what I mean? We came up with this like group of characters mm-hmm. that we liked and their sort of adventures. <clears throat> and yeah, it wasn't until we'd sort of almost finished writing that we looked back at the episodes and we were like, God, they, get, they, get, they go out and get mashed up like almost every week so we were like see I thought that was from watching just one episode I genuinely thought that was the hook that was the show like hey guys what about a show about drugs it wasn't our intention I think our our intention was to well we sort of spent a lot of time trying to work out what it is we were going to write and we planned uh, all the episodes without really knowing entirely what the show was going to be but Mm -hmm. like James said we knew where it was set we knew what the characters were and we had certain storylines we liked and the more we sort of drew upon things we sort of realised it was sort of a bit of a love song to that time in your life when yeah. you know you can be quite frivolous with your yeah. health and your body and Absolutely. You know, and, and I think I think what we wanted to do as well was like write something about that time of life and that sort of is loosely based on experiences that we either mm-hmm. had individually or friends of ours had or, or, or stories or, we'd heard yeah via other and people. so we wanted to base it on all that that sort of stuff and then it was like once we'd done that we realised that all that sort of stuff involved getting high so <laughs> yeah. it was like alright that's what the show is but I know it's the sort of show that I I, it, I wish had been around when I was you know that age oh, that's, that's because good yeah, yeah. if I had discovered that I would have been like guys look there's us on screen you that's know. really nice to hear, that's good that's to hear. I've showed it to some of my friends that I was young with yeah, and they've all said at the end, like, "God, I want to go back." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. nice. I, I want to have a job where. Cause well, I'm working, not sure the work. scene where he's trying to hold the pub quiz that didn't make me want to go back to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but it's that thing about like, they all work in a bong shop, and Trippy. like you don't care about your job at that time. Everything in your life is there to serve having fun with your friends and your job is meaningless and all of that and it's just a lovely time of life and I think there's something quite romantic and nostalgic about it with the pub quiz as well it was just sort of the idea of when that's the biggest night of the week the pub quiz you know if you put that into the you know the world of our show and see what happens it's like how big can you make a pub quiz Mm -hmm. from you know what is perceived as quite a boring pastime in a yeah, village yeah. you know we well, thought let's mean, try and make that into something massive and stupid and funny yeah. and that's where the um, well you certainly did where that. the things in episode one um, is that do you think that was part of the um, appeal for um, 
for like the channel or broadcasters that it was not a London show. It wasn't. So I haven't seen yeah, a sitcom in the West Country for a, well. I can't remember when was when was the last Vicar one. Vicar of Dibley, maybe. Vicar of Dibley. Yeah, that's quite different to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, Vicar of Dibley was more Devon. We're sort of yeah. We're in our heads, we're more Wiltshire, Somerset. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But we're not, specific. We're not yeah. specific. I've always loved that part of the world and generally the West Country. Um, there's the weird. There's there is that thing of um, they're sort of connected to like. You know, there's not just Stonehenge, but there are like sacred stones in lots of parts yeah, of that yeah, world, absolutely. and there is a slightly hippie. Even now, there's still yeah, that John, hippie. I've got a theory. Got a theory like, yeah, well, actually, a friend of mine gave me this theory, but I think it's entirely true that anyone, if you speak to anybody uh, from Bristol down, mm. you know, if, if you say to them, "Do you believe in magic?" after a couple of pints, they will say, "Yeah, I believe in magic." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Even if like, they say no to begin with. Yeah. You know? okay. And actually, that that sort of did lead us down. The further south you go, the less pints it takes. Yeah, yeah. for them to admit. Is that, does that mean that someone, as a joke, knowing this theory of yours, uh, yeah. planted lots of stones randomly yeah, in so. fields yeah, and went, look, in, look, yeah, these about were... About 15,000 years ago. That's yeah. the best yeah. explanation for the stones. I know yeah, that. I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the strange um, uh, sort of juxtaposition of that, though, is that, um, weirdly, I've noticed that a lot of that side, the part of the country vote conservative as well. So it's like... Oh, not, no. my, not my no. hometown. No? Yeah. What's Chel- your hometown? Cheltenham. They vote... Lib Dem Do every they? time, and they oh, voted okay. to remain, which I was you were quite surprised about. Pleased about one of the few islands, <laughs> yeah. Of remain but it's a weird like I've, I've done gigs in Bath quite a lot, which I love Bath, and it's always this. I can't quite put my finger on. Are you the you know the slightly more hippie, new agey yeah. people, yeah, or are you quite middle class conservative? It's like I'm Mate, they're like they're like hippies with homes to protect. <laughs> like they, when yeah, they were younger, way. they were hippies in yeah. musical music festivals, and then they like took all their money and bought a beautiful mm. cottage. And they're like, "I'm keeping these mortgage prices down." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> certainly, places like Cornwall as well have quite strong, you know, almost nationalist identities because yeah. they you know, protect their own language. And they did they not at one point was there talk of them becoming their own? Yeah, Corn- no, it's Cornwall Cornwall going. Yeah. Yeah. Going. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that does tie in with a, an idea to separate. Well, we're merging loads of politics together here, but the yeah. idea of separation from the EU hey, man, and voting conservative, you know, and also, I mean, I suppose. Older people vote conservative, and there's a lot of older retired people yeah, in that's that true. part of the yeah, world. I think it's that's, true. that's pure speculation. But there we go. We like generalisations on this show. We yeah. want to offend as many people. Um, I think, God, if just to stay on the politics thing, at one point, can you imagine that in like 20 years' time, maybe we'll have 17 countries in the UK, yeah. which will be like Cornwall, Scotland, Let's get London, um, yeah. Cheltenham will be its own country, yeah. um, London will be, I don't know. Yeah. Essex, it. where I'm from, basically already is its own country. Is it? Yeah. I yeah. suppose in a way, yeah. they, were just, def- they were hardcore leavers, oh, weren't God, they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my borough was like 23% remain. Yeah. Well, they've left already, haven't they? Yeah. Essex. Yeah, yeah. They're just, they're, yeah. they're madness. Ooh, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what that meant, but it's, <laughs> it, felt, it felt like a barbed comment. <laughs> um, just, no, I don't know. I was just being stupid. Uh, so... <laughs> how did you, so you're from Essex and you're from Gloucestershire. Cheltenham, Gloucestershire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Uh, we met in London working for a TV company uh, run by Johnny Vaughan called World's End TV. Um, yeah. And we were employed together to write internet videos, yeah. instructional internet videos for a website called Video Jug. That still exists. Which still exists. Still in- instructional, like yeah, how, yeah, to, like how, how to, to videos. Put yeah. together yeah. a juicer or something. Yeah, yeah and like yeah. how to change a tire. How do you write those? Kind of well, um, you just, it, very laboratory. They, they, they was you a just system. copy the uh, instructions yeah, onto the script. Yeah, yeah and the, the, you know, uh, without wanting to offend anybody there, the, the, the way that they um, <laughs> presented it to us was we think the instructions should be very clear, very concise, and yeah. me and James always thought, that's kind of boring. Yeah. So one day they said to me, and James, why don't you go off and make some films together? Because you think you two might work quite well together. And then we went off to my flat in Streatham and uh, got a bit stoned and then filmed a bunch of videos ourselves, yeah. basically that were short comedy films, yeah. um, and then handed those in, got told off, yeah, got split they, up. Yeah, they separated us. Like, <laughs> got put on like, different sides of the office. And then they got put on the website and they got the most hits on the website. So yeah, we thought, they actually... they still told us off and said, you can't work together. Because really? Yeah. Know these are really hugely well, popular. Too They're winning awards. Yeah. 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 They've made us millions of pounds, but you yeah. can't work together yeah, can't ever work again. Because it's off-brand. So we so thought, we yeah, we thought, you know what, let's start writing together at the weekend. Let's do our own instruction video. Exactly. We're going to do like how to have a revolution. Yeah. So episode five of Wasted is a half an hour instructional video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. It's not. Brilliant. It's not. I look forward to uh, that But we, we realised we had done Edinburgh in the past. Yeah, uh, I'd you... actually seen John's show, well, or some of it anyway, in, in Edinburgh like five years before, and we'd both been up at the same time doing shows mm-hmm. and stuff, but separately. Yeah. Are you both uh, performers as well? Definitely uh, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not yeah. so much yeah. these days, but there is that. Well, actually, 
we sort of performed to each other in the writers' room. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, it's kind of the basis comedy, for it, not, not yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, erotic dances, <laughs> little treats when you come up yeah. with a good line. Yeah. 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 Here, what about this? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we both did because well, I recognise. We've said this when we walked yeah. in. We all feel like we've met, maybe yeah, or seen I each other about, like but definitely before, from yeah. the Edinburgh world. What kind of stuff did you do when you did perform? Um, I did a bit of stand up and also did uh, like sketch shows, character mm-hmm. shows, stuff like that. And um, I used to do sketch shows. I was in a group called H Bam. You probably don't remember them. Two thousand and three, two thousand and four, and I don't. I love the name. I love uh, the name. It was, a, it was a group of comedians from mean? Dublin. Um, oh, it's really embarrassing. It? It? it was short for how babies are made. Is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I always thought H-bam. it was like H bam, like an H bomb. Yeah, or, or that's better. Yeah, like ha ha explosion. I mean, anyone that was in that group like who's listening, which I'm, sh- I'm sure they've got, I don't know if they will be, but um, <laughs> uh, they will be equally embarrassed by the I name thought of it that might group. be the name of a town you're from, but no. you've like shortened it so no. it becomes, you know. We were from Dublin, uh, Trinity okay. in Dublin, and we, there was quite Hang a few. Hang on, people. you're from Cheltenham um, and Dublin. Well, and I went to university in Dublin. Okay. Yeah, all yeah. right. Sorry. I was going to say, you don't sound very Irish. Um, so uh, you got together and you started writing, and then you start. At what point did you start doing TV stuff? Well, we, the first thing we did when we left um, Video Jug was started writing sketch show, sketches, mm-hmm. and we got, got some sketches submitted to Armstrong and Miller. Oh, great! Um, and that was great fun. We really enjoyed that, and the, the team was great. And then we started writing spec scripts of our own stuff, um, including Wasted, was one of the first things that we wrote as a spec script. Now, I've got a feeling I've spoken to... Uh, was one of your producers in the early days, Seb? Seb Barwell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Seb, yeah. yeah, he told me that you had, you had developed it quite a long time ago, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. then it just sort of magically came back to life again. Well, it, it never well, really stopped. Maybe not stopped. magically, It but. never really stopped, came out of development. Like, right. we, we, had, we had an early pilot, we did another taster tape, we... we kept working at it we wrote several different versions of the script Channel 4 were always really supportive throughout I think it was just sort of working out the best time and way to do it yeah Mm -hmm. and the best version of the script and, and, and the best cast and the best directors and all these kind of things coming together over time but, um, so, but in, in how many years do you think it was in development for? Just because if any people are listening who are yeah. developing stuff and they're really disheartened by the fact that it's taken... I would, I would say about four years. Yeah, page to yeah. screen about four years. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. I mean... And in that time we had, yeah, we had a pilot and a taste of tape and probably about three or four scripts. I mean, we were lucky because we, yeah, yeah, we were busy. And a few breakdowns. We were busy on other things during that four years, which... Yeah, know, it wasn't it, just that yeah, for four yeah, years. Yeah, we didn't just yeah, sit yeah. waiting on the phone. But we, that, we were lucky on that front. It, it meant we could sort of... When it kept coming back to life, we could focus on it. And yeah. then when it went quiet, we could kind of... Yeah, with other stuff. Not cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is remarkable how long... I, I still don't quite get why it takes people so long to get back to you on things in this It's cr- It's crazy the way, the way things move. Yeah. 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 But then other things happen really quickly like the harry hill film we worked on like that that was commissioned and made within about a year yeah less than a year less than a year my god yeah, yeah. the whole thing like from nothing and was that something you were involved in from the very beginning yeah, yeah. well yeah pretty much i mean harry, well, i suppose harry harry had written a story outline yeah uh, sometime before but um yeah, he he came, he, he came to us and we sort of worked with him on that yeah, wrote the script with Harry. But was that fun? Was, that it was great. Yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah, I've heard he's a really nice. He's guy, so nice, he's yeah. so, and also yeah, like one of my like comedy heroes growing up. Yeah. So it was one of those moments where you're like, when you're pitching jokes to someone that you like watched when you were growing up, like yeah. it's kind of fun. The yeah. read three was amazing down in Longcross. Yeah. The first day, because we turned up and and there was Julie Walters and Matt Lucas and yeah, Simon Bird. Simon yeah. Bird and it, and we were just like, oh okay, Jim Broadbent. <laughs> this is happening. This is happening. Yeah, yeah. It starts tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's that? I mean, I've written stuff and heard other people. Um, say the lines but I've either been in it as well or uh, somehow involved more in the production so you sort of I don't know if it's different to have, having been written, writing something in a room yeah. and then one day suddenly there's these actors. Yeah, that's Is great. it nerve-wracking? It's, it, if you're... If, yeah, well... It, or it did anyone ever say a line? You're like, that's not how you fucking say it, Julie Walters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that totally... You, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you go up at the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she yeah. was terrible for it. No, <laughs> no she was brilliant. Um, yeah, I suppose so one, thing you, one thing you often do is like you read in the bit parts. Yeah. So me and yeah. James will assign all the kind of side roles right. so that if there are like little one-line dudes that come in yeah. you know we sort yeah, of just make sure we keep the energy up that. by going that's how that joke should be said yeah, yeah. yeah. and everyone's like why are those two guys so shouting yeah. everything yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these I guys love, are a bit eggy I love Read 3 Day because it's like the perfect point between like 
You're like, the only person on the planet who loves read-through days, I by really the way. Like, I really like it because it's like, it's the midway point where like, you, it's it, all the cast are there, so it feels much more real than mm-hmm. when you're in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. But it's not finished yet, so you can't hate the product. You can still imagine that it will be like perfect when it's finished. So you get this like beautiful little island in the middle of production where like, you where you can see it all in front of you but it's but it's still not locked down and unchangeable mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and, and also it gives you a really good nice. opportunity after that session once you've heard everybody's real voices to yeah. change the scripts totally and yeah i you think you can get stuck in after that you know? coming from a writer's point of view you maybe have a slightly different approach but almost every actor i think will tell you it's the most yeah, nerve-wracking because also yeah. you hear horror stories that you do a read through and the next day you get a call saying sorry we're, we're gonna go oh, didn't God, quite yeah. work yeah and, and also mm. we've had we've had it the other way where, where you know commissioners or or channel execs or whatever will listen to a read through and if if and not imagine how it might end up yeah, yeah. take it on its face value um, well, that's the worst thing like about it, cast. isn't it? It's like, you know, we're oh, not that g- didn't work, that didn't work. You're like, it definitely will yeah. when you see... That wasn't the finished version, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Once it's be- in a castle... <laughs> yeah, he's going to be stood on a waterfall <laughs> shouting that at a dragon, so... You know. Do you know what I mean? Whatever. But. Yeah, he's got to have makeup on. Um, so, um, so Wasted out in, what? what's that, a couple of weeks? I think about two, two weeks. So today. 26th of July on one. E4, um, after Tattoo Fixers. Yeah, straight after Tattoo Fixers. I don't know the exact time, is it 10pm? I think it's 10pm. There's a bit of a link there, right, with the tattoo there is a there tattoo, you and I'll yeah, show yeah. you. And we got a double bill on the first on the first night. Oh, just quickly, how did you get Sean Bean? Oh right, well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, this um, has to be quick because we're running. Yeah, out. sure. Uh, we sent him a letter via his agent, um, well, an email, um, yeah. uh, just a, a sort of a, a plea for him to read the scripts. We said, look, it's quite a weird role, but you're the only person in the world who can do it. We, basically, if, if you're not the spirit guide for Morpheus, no yeah. one else will be. Yeah. And you know, do you want to do it or not? And we'd love you to, basically. And, and how many people had you wrote in that? You're no the only one. one. No, no, literally, he was in the script for four years. And how yeah. long? How long did he? Um, take to get back to you I can't remember a month or so yeah maybe. about a month he's so, brilliant yeah. in it by the way he's really so funny he is, he so is funny. a great great man yeah, yeah. and love we, we love and really him. love him I, when I was watching I was like good for you Sean Rain for doing it yeah well. he's really funny as well yeah. like really really funny and it was he was a joy to work with and great. we're very grateful that so um uh, we uh, we always get our guests to uh, pick a guilty pleasure film um and you've picked something that um is maybe I don't know where it fits in the guilty pleasure spectrum. Like often, I have to sort of clarify: Do some people feel like it's a, a terrible film that they know is shit but they they love, and other people pick films that they think are underrated or misunderstood? Yeah. You've picked Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. The Costner Hood. Damn, damn the straight. Costner Hood. I'm not yeah. sure yeah. what that. He's uh, from actually, the Costner Hood. Can I just say that that wasn't my choice? That was James. Oh, okay. I actually, okay. think, I actually think this film's really good. Okay, what? so that's my question. First question is: Where do you think it sits in the guilty pleasure spectrum? Okay, like the thing is, right, is like it's got Kevin Costner in it, yeah. so it can't be really good. It has to be a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I have this joke with my wife, but, but the, thing, the thing is about Kevin Costner is that all his films are amazing, but they're all terrible. Right, right, and I, have, uh, I might have to disagree with you there. But <laughs> um, in fact, I'm gonna. The reason that we got you on first is because this is going to segue into a chat with James, uh, where we'll we'll discuss Costner's um, oh great CV in length. But um, and I will be listening avidly. Okay, but I like this theory. Uh, yeah. I like. This I have theory. a joke with my wife that yeah. on, on our deathbed. Um, if we have, have children around us and we're on a deathbed and just as we, we're dying I pass them a key and I say there's a box in my wardrobe no one must know what's in it <laughs> dispose of it now and they'll take the key and they'll run and they'll think what it is and it'll just be all my Costner DVDs <laughs> which, which is how many <laughs> which is far too many yeah. yeah Postman I've got Postman Postman yeah like that, yeah. pre-woman Postman it's the, um, the Postman do you uh, what do you feel about Prince of Thieves like a lot of people criticised him for his accent but actually as yeah. a sort of you know, swashbuckling action film it's really good entertainment Rickman's right? brilliant yeah I mean Rickman's a star I mean there's the great catapulting moment for yeah. example yeah. which we all remember that isn't something I would gonna, have pointed gonna, out do you know, I can't remember another catapulting moment where human beings catapult over a wall I mean, I mean has that ever, ever in, happened in, in tandem film? as well yeah. in tandem and, yeah. you know, and enjoy it yeah. you know, they're, they're, both Morgan Freeman and Kevin Costner are ecstatic that they're doing that and also did they do that for real because that was before 
It was real, real CGI. There was no stomach. CGI in that film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it no, might did have been a stunt man. Yeah, and did they hit the wall with the castle a few times? You we know. don't know. Yeah, we yeah. just don't know. We don't. Um, we and really actually, that, that, is, that is historically amazing. accurate as well. Yeah, People did, did use the cat's pulpit. There was. I remember. Did that? I remember when the film. I remember when the film came out that there was a bit of. I don't know, some weird, uh, not backlash, but like question over the whole um, uh, Morgan Freeman's involvement. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what? He's terrible in it. He's absolutely terrible in it. I don't think he knows who he's playing because he has a Chinese accent all the way through the movie. Is it Chinese? Yeah, yeah. I don't I know if it's Chinese. imitate it now, but it's definitely Chinese. Please don't imitate it. <laughs> and, no, but, but that's historically th- accurate as well. That's how, that's because <laughs> you know how like accents change over time? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. back then, uh, well, I suppose it would be a Moorish accent. It was would, more, yeah, would yeah, be, more. Would yeah. It's more. Apparently, sound slightly Chinese. He Should we do yeah. jokes about how Moorish it is? <laughs> uh, well, they didn't make a sequel, so, <laughs> so not, not that Moorish. Moorish. <laughs> um, so, do you think it's an underrated film, or do you think it's shit but you love it? I think that it's shit, but I love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's on my five-minute list. I have a list of films where... If, you, there's if, no film you can watch in that time. No, you do no, know but that, if it's you? on for yeah. five minutes yeah. and I haven't turned it off, I have to watch the whole film. Okay. So, like, Die Hard's on the five minute list. Is yeah. that true for The Woodsman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woodsman's on my one-minute list. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's on your... Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty dark way to go with your... <laughs> do you just get off on the uh, the Woodsman? Yeah, yeah. I just need, only need one minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right, so uh, let's uh, play your uh, second song um, before you leave. Guys, thanks for joining us. You've been lovely guests. It's been a pleasure. Good luck much. with your show. Thank, Thank you very much. Um, uh, this, uh, this, this, t- <laughs> this song, actually, I thought when it started, it sounds... Uh, almost identical to Jump by Van Halen, like the first note or bit similar. So I was like, oh, I recognise this. No, I don't. What the fuck is this? Um, Can you explain what this... This song comes from the original 1986 Transformers animation movie, and it scores the sequence in which Optimus Prime attacks the Decepticon base. Nerd! And uh, (laughs) honestly, that's all you need to know. Also, this is in our show, too. It's It's actually the opening track from our show. Well, um, so thank you Transformers for that yeah well, and we'll have to check out the Labyrinth song you were talking about on another show because that sounds great um, this is The Touch <laughs> by Stan Bush thanks guys cheers you got the touch I mean that does just sound like jump jump doesn't it yeah it does yeah, yeah. James Gill everyone woo <laughs> <laughs> He's back in the room. Let's, James, let's just talk about Costner because when I found out these uh, these guys had picked um, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yes. um, I was sort of delighted. But I also, I wasn't sure which way they were going to go. And obviously you heard that interview, though. Um, James uh, uh, Lamont, uh, he was saying that he felt like he was doing what everyone did with Costner back in the day, which was like, he's not very good or he's a bit naff or he's not very cool or whatever. And yet, I always liked him. I always thought, well, he makes really good films. Yeah, he's not like a fucking Robert De Niro actor. He's not Tom Cruise or, you know, depending on like move, which kind of movie star you're, you're going with. He's a little bit more down the middle. But if you look at his films, he's made... Some amazing films. I'm about to unleash <laughs> a pro Costner rant. Okay. Kevin Costner, for a while, was the biggest movie star on the planet. Now, if you're old like Dan and I are, you will remember how huge Dances with Wolves was. That was a phenomenon for a while. Mm-hmm. It swept the board at the Oscars. It catapulted Costner from a well-liked outsider into the very top of the A-list. And for a while, the guy could do no wrong. Admittedly, like Icarus, perhaps he flew a little bit too close to the sun (laughs) and was pumping out movies that perhaps Kevin Costner loved and the rest of us, it was trickier to get on board with. But for a while, he was the man. And one of my favourite films of all time is The Untouchables. And I think his performance in that film, the chemistry he has with Sean Connery. I know some people don't like that film, don't like his performance. I think that film is Don't like whose performance? Don't like Costner's performance. They find Costner Wooden. Yeah. uh, Strongly disagree. Please revisit The Untouchables. It is just a spine-tinglingly wonderful... There's an extra ingly in there. Wonderful (laughs) movie. So it's a great film. It's the David Mamet... uh, Penned. 
scripts. It's De Palma, and also, like a lot of classic movies, it's comprised of not just one, but a number of classic scenes, the sort of scenes you can hang your hat on. The scene with the pram, I know it's a nod to Battleship Potemkin, but the scene with the pram where Costner goes, got him, and and, uh, Garcia goes, got him, and Costner goes, take him. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, stop it. And of course, the first time we properly are introduced to Andy Garcia, who in that film is absolutely amazing. Probably the best thing Andy Garcia has ever done. But you know what? Um... I get the wooden thing. I get the... Because he's so all-American. And in a way that isn't... There's nothing wrong with that, though, is there? No. And also, I dispute that he's a terrible actor. Or not terrible, but, like, whatever. Because, actually... I think he's really, really good. Yeah. Like, he can do comedy. He can do, like, in Tin Cup, in Bull Durham. He can do comedy. He's yeah. really good in those films, doing, like, ver- like witty verbal comedy. He's not, like... When you see him in interviews, he's not very funny. and But he's not a comedian. But, but giving, him, giving a script, he knows how to do comedy. And then he can do... Uh, you know, these big epic dramas as well. The guy's also a movie star, so I'm not saying that The Bodyguard is the greatest film ever made, but his... You may may know this, that was supposed to be Princess Diana in the lead role, Mm -hmm. and I believe that Costner actually went to Buckingham Palace, or wherever she lived, uh, (laughs) one of the other ones, one of the other palaces, but he he actually went, he spent time with her to try... to convince her to, yeah. to do the role and, and so Whitney was not the first choice but Costner in that movie so I know that Costner is a huge fan of Steve McQueen so I remember once watching Costner on Letterman and he told a story that to be more like Virgil Hiltz McQueen's character from mm-hmm. The Great Escape he tore off the sleeves uh, on his sweaters tragically I used to do the exact same thing so when oh, Costner said go. that to Letterman my tiny mind uh, just you know just exploded uh, so I have a lot of love for Costner and not in an ironic way in a, a, a very genuine way he made a movie early this year called Called Criminal, um, which is not a terrific film, but he is very, very good in it, and well, it's sort of it's sort of him almost doing a little bit of take, and it's Costner kicking ass, playing a bit of a bad guy who might not be all bad. Well, uh, I think it'll be out on DVD by now. Check it out. Ryan Reynolds is in it as well, and Gary Oldman, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones uh, is, is is in it for some reason. I've no idea why, because he's, he's not in it very much. It seems like a waste of TLJ. Um, Can I just say, though, he has, in the last five years, this is Costner, done these sort of comeback movies, and they're not right. They're not him. It's not quite Kevin. It's not quite Kevin. He keeps trying to do, like, what would Harrison do? What would Liam do? Like, it's all these different types of... When you look at the films... Oh, by the way, he has twice almost been in a Tarantino film. I know Tarantino uh, wanted him in um, to play Bill in Kill Bill. And he wanted him in... He was actually even cast in Django Unchained and then had to drop out because of scheduling problems. Now... Is it the Don Johnson part? I think it might have been, yeah. yeah. I think it is, yeah. And I think... It needs something like that where someone who gets what he is good at. Listen to us, like we we should work. Kevin, if you listen, (laughs) we love you so much. But look, look, look at these films, and this is why I don't think his comeback has happened yet because these aren't the kind of films that he's trying anymore. And look, listen to this CV. Right, starting from 1985, he was in Fandango. Have you seen Fandango? Yes, I have. Beautiful little film. Silverado, lots of fun. Lawrence Canston. the Untouchables, which was the Mate, one that just... it's a classic. It's a brilliant. No Way Out, an amazing thriller. And he's very good in it. And he's very good in it. Bull Durham, he's amazing Oh, in. my God. Yes. Field, Field of Dreams. Schmaltzy, Stop it, Pete But Costner. it's so good. Uh, Revenge, not, not quite as good. Uh, Dances with Wolves, which is a classic. classic. I know people are annoyed because it beat Goodfellas at the Oscar, but I don't care. It's an amazing film. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, a guilty pleasure. Russell <laughs> Crowe called that film a Bon Jovi video. Oh, well, it is, yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Bodyguard, oh, a, a guilty pleasure. A Perfect it. World, a brilliant film. Um, and then it starts getting a little bit patchy. But that run of films, of about 10 films, that I would say are, some of them are classics, um, yeah, you know, then it gets a bit weird. Like, it's like, what are you, Kevin, do what you're good at. He's a, mo- he, he's a movie star, yeah. isn't he? Anyway, uh, people were going to either love us or hate us for, for me, saying if this. You, if you're a screenwriter, because you know yeah. people listen to the show. Okay. Films. Oh, oh, well, here you go, right? So in How Not to Live Your Life, I had Don was obsessed with Kevin Costner because for two reasons: one, I am, but B, I understand the slight sort of naffness of it. So I thought it would be a funny sure. character, funny character trait. 
Um, um, and, you know, I, I, like I say, I love him. Uh, in the Christmas special that we knew was going to be the end, we were trying to get him to come and do a cameo. You know, like in High Fidelity, where John Cusack sees Bruce Springsteen yes. at the end of his bed? Yes. We wanted to do that, where he give, uh, Costner gives him some advice. And we managed to speak to Costner's agent, and they were saying, look, this wasn't a yes, but they were saying the only way he'll do it is if because we we had to cut together a little reel. This is already of, the best story yeah. I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. We had to cut together a reel of all the times Don has mentioned Kevin Costner, so Kevin of Costner, whatever the uh, he, he in so many weird references, and it was like a two minute reel of all these references. We sent it to him. and He went, "Look, we can see that you love him. It would be a really funny thing to do. The only way you can do it is if you fly to it was some like Eastern European country where he was filming at the time and shoot it there, which we just couldn't afford. No. We couldn't." do and but if he oh, could have done it he would have done it yeah well his agent was saying he would have done it but anyway That's enough Kevin yes. enough Kevin we love you Kevin we can't wait for you to make uh, Dances with Wolves 2 the revenge revenge of the wolves <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, uh, what sort of role should he play then um Oh, what? hang on a minute. I've just remembered probably his best ever film. Uh, Open Range, a Western with Amazing. Robert Duvall. Amazing, which he did. Oh, and JFK. JFK, yeah, Come on. of course, yeah. Uh, Philip French, the, the late great uh, Observer film critic, said that Open Range is one of the greatest films of this century. Wow. Yeah, but there is a shoot, there's a shootout in that at movie. At the end, oh, it's amazing. It's just wonderful. And when so they, the, the, the playing cards at the start and Duval calls the kid out for cheating... Oh, it's just. Yeah, it's, oh, please go like on to Amazon, buy Open Range. So that's probably uh, that's that's what I would say. And you're, uh, in answer to your question about what should he do next, I think he is about to direct something. So that would be. I think he should. Yeah, because because I think with Open Range he'd learnt his lesson that the three and a half hour yeah. epics weren't for everyone, and Open Range is a leaner, meaner movie. Um, it's quite still quite sort of um, prosaic in parts. Yeah. Like you know, it's about. But never once see you thinking. No. Come on, Kev. Yeah. So listen, um, news and reviews. Let's not do the entire show about Kevin as much as I love him. Uh, news and reviews. What have you got for us today? Well, please? so uh, it has come out the past couple of days that the people's champion, Dwayne Johnson, is officially the highest paid movie star on the planet. And I would say that this is a good thing because Dwayne Johnson, by all accounts, if you speak to anyone who's ever met him, uh, or interviewed him or spent time with him or worked with him they will all say the same thing he is the nicest man mm -hmm. who ever lived I recently interviewed the director of Central Intelligence he also directed Dodgeball he's making another movie with Dwayne Johnson next year and I said is it true that Dwayne Johnson is he really this nice and this director said James he's the nicest man I have ever met he's the nicest human being I have ever met and on that list I include my own mother and so uh, I think that Dwayne Johnson being the number so one. So a director is saying he's nicer saying than that his Dwayne mom. Johnson is even nicer than his own yeah. mother. So I'm saying it's a victory for the good guys. And I think in this day and age, and we know from comedy that if you are a bit of a douchebag, people don't want to work with you. So in the past, not I think, always. You know what I mean? Though I think in the past you could get away with being, a, you know, yeah. a, a vile diva. I think in this day and age. You, you, someone will video you at some someone point. Someone will video. Someone will tweet you if, yeah. you, if you say you know. Yeah. And so I think that's a you know for all the the ills of social media uh, and uh, technology etc. I think it's no bad thing that. Uh, hey, maybe we all need to be a little bit nicer. Mm. So, uh, God bless you, Dwayne well, Johnson. That's a lovely message. Um, do you know how much uh, how much he gets per movie? Because there was a time in sort of the early 90s, mid-90s, I think, where people were getting 20, 25 million per movie. So those, so yes, so the reason why people like that, so people, it was when the likes of Will Smith and Jim Carrey, yeah. they could demand these vast sums of money and it was because how they opened a movie. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the calibre of the star alone would guarantee a box office smash. Those days are well and truly gone. Well and truly over. So one example I would give is that, and we all love Christian Bale. So if Christian Bale is playing Batman, for example, people would be queuing around the cinema, and the film would definitely take billions of dollars. But when Christian Bale is appearing in a lower budget Werner Herzog movie, for mm -hmm. example. It's a trickier sell at the cinema. Yeah. That's not that's not to the detriment of Christian Bale. He's one of our finest actors. It's just a fact. Um, and so the reason why movie stars these days can make these vast sums of money is that they will get um, tie-ins and back-ends. Yeah. Uh, and it's why people like Johnson and Robert Downey Jr. are still able to make a fortune because they very cleverly get percentages rather than 
uh, necessarily demanding the, money up front. The, yeah. the money up front, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, when you t- emailed me, just quickly, this is I'm not going to go into depth with this, but when you emailed me this morning, like, news you wanted to chat about, there was one that just said The Rock. And I thought you were going to mention this. This was something I saw in The Guardian last week. Uh, the headline is The Rock, the movie The Rock, the Sean Connery, Nicholas Cage yes. movie. The Rock movie plot may have inspired MI6 sources Iraq- Iraqi weapons claim. What they're saying is there's an allegation in the MI6 report about Iraq's uh, supposed chemical weapons uh, before the 2003 war um, that appears to have been lifted from the Hollywood film The Rock. Well, According to the Jill that, report. If that is true, that is <laughs> horrifying. Because I'm because we're movie lovers and people say, oh, the the criminal was influenced by the films. Yeah. And you go, nah, blame the parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but oh, God, please tell me that's not true. I hope not as well. But we won't be put blaming parents. We'll be b- blaming the government. Oh, man. Oh, man. Anyway. Wonderful movie, The Rock. Yeah. It's the only Michael... Is that Michael Bay? I think it yes. is, yeah. Yes. It's the only one I... Um, of his that I really, really love. Although, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. So I can't... I know a lot of people love Con Air. I, 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 I want to love that film, and, yeah. I, and I just can't. But The Rock, I, I, re- I really love. The, you know, the chemistry. We've talked about it before, but Cage and Connery in that, in that oh, film were awesome. Uh, so one other thing we were going to talk about was, was Sulu. It's attracted uh, quite a lot of attention, the fact that in the upcoming Star Trek Beyond, Sulu is gay and it's been controversial uh, which this shocked me this what you're about to tell me well it, so I've seen the film I, I, I'm embargoed so I'm not I'm not allowed to say not that he was gay that's not what I'm shocked by but what you're about to say is what shocked me I, I don't know what I'm about to say what shocked George, you George Takai so George Takai has come out and said that he is unhappy that they've done this whereas Simon Pegg has come out who obviously has a lot of respect for you know, Peg. I've been fortunate to speak with Simon Pegg. I know that he's a good dude, and he has respect for the history of, of Star Trek. So I know that I know that they did this coming from a very good place, and it was sort of a, a, an homage, a tribute, a doff of the cap to, 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 to Kai himself. It would appear that things are fine now. I, I think that Takai appreciates that it came from a good place. I've seen the film, and it's done in a, a really beautiful way. Mm. Um, it, it's done. We see Sulu greet his his partner, and it's it's a hug, it's an embrace, and they walk away, and they have their arms around each other. I'm not spoiling anything. This this happens about thirty or so minutes into the film, and so not a big deal is made. It's just done as it's a very little, yeah. throwaway yeah, matter yeah. of fact. This is how it is. <coughs> so um, while I am embargoed. Uh, Please check out Star Trek Beyond. I think I can, I, I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think that will... So any. did uh, you actually speak about this issue with Simon Pegg? No, and no. I'll tell you why, because it had already been out in the news. Okay. Uh, it had, it, you know, Takai had said his bit, Pegg had said his very respectful bit. There was there was just no need to, to so go So Takai, who obviously has spent uh, a lot of time in his life fighting for gay rights and, and LGBT rights and what have you, and he... Um, he was like, oh, well, that's not the character. The character was never that. And and I was quite surprised. I would have thought that, you know, obviously I don't come from the same position that he's coming from. <laughs> uh, we won't uh, make any jokes about that. Uh, I, um, I, I just was like, well, surely any kind of reference where you're saying that this is okay, equality's good, was, is a good thing. But So I was surprised that he had a bit of a problem I with agree it. completely. And I also think... Uh, this has already become one of uh, our s- serious chats. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll do this every now and then. I also think um, I, I feel that we've we've we have come a long way as a society. You know, films reflect society because um, the way it's done is very tasteful. And the point I'd made to Dan earlier today is that when we were growing up in the eighties. I, don't, I mean, you must remember, dear listener, the way that uh, homosexuals were portrayed in Hollywood was often, yeah. frankly, disgraceful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Australian comedian Sarah Kendall does a, a wonderful bit about uh, how homosexuals were portrayed in 80s cinema. And the, the, the bit she refers to is the Blue Oyster scene in Police oh Academy. God, yeah. But as a child, I'm sure we thought it was hysterical. Oh, it was amazing but, but, as a child. And yeah. when you look back on it now, obviously it, it doesn't sit well. Because as Sarah says, so the scene in the Blue Oyster bar, the, the policemen end up in there and... Are I'm, you are you doing someone else's routine right now? Well, no, because 
because this is from a this is from a show of hers from a couple of years ago. Okay. And I'm crediting her. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I was saying yeah, yeah, this yeah, is my yeah, opinion, yeah, no, no. that would I'm be just outrageous. But the fact that I'm crediting yeah. one of my favourite comedians. So uh, the, the point. I mean, okay, I don't want to do her bit because it is a wonderful bit, and yeah. you must see Sarah live. Um, so I suppose you know if we're gonna put a positive uh, top on this in the space of 20, 30 years you know thank goodness we we are making mm-hmm. progress in the way that uh, homosexuality doesn't define the character of sulu what defines sulu is his bravery his brilliance at his job the fact that he's a beloved member of the enterprise mm-hmm. crew in the past uh, Hollywood let homosexuality define the characters, which obviously is yeah, ludicrous. Yeah. I always feel like from the eighties, the, the thing that always shocks me so much is if is Eddie Murphy, like his his routines about homosexuals are pretty. I mean, so I, 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 I mean, and I obviously adore like anyone that's <laughs> ever been involved in comedy and grew up in our. He's Elvis know, Presley of comedy. Yeah, the guy is a to say he's a god is almost no, not amazing. doing Eddie Murphy justice. So it always he's, slightly goes. Oh, but Eddie I put an Eddie Murphy. Murphy the, the, the special you are referring yeah. to, I had that on not that long ago, uh, and I was watching it, and my wife was in the room next door. And she actually came in to say, what? She couldn't believe <laughs> yeah. that this was a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, obviously that comedy, that bit in question has aged, I mean, horrendously. Well. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Wow. Uh, what else you got? Uh, so the, the final bit of news was that Dan, Dan Harmon has, has come out and said that uh, there will be a community Movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are, are you a fan of the the show Community? I do like. I'm not. I'm not nuts about it, but I do like it. Yeah. It's the thing with Community, and you know, you and I are big comedy fans. When I saw those, the first two seasons, my jaw sort of hit the floor. I just thought it was one of the most incredible things really? I've ever seen. Oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like it. It was clever. I know you can't use the word meta out loud without someone punching you in the yeah. face, yeah. but yeah. It, 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 <laughs> so I listener, I, I love you and I apologise. But I just thought it was so smart, it was so beautifully written. I know that then the show had its own troubles off off camera and that and that impacted what was going on on camera. Uh, so I guess the fact that uh, a community movie will happen is, is a wonderful thing. I think if you are a comedy fan uh, and if you're listening to the show, there's probably a strong chance that you are. Um, do watch Community if you've never seen it. It's it's because uh, I, 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 you, it's a show that you hear a lot about, mm-hmm. and then before you watch it, you think, "Well, I'll be the judge of that." And yeah, then yeah. and then when I watched it, I thought, "God, this this really is special." Well, you know what? I uh, the other day finally got round to watching Silicon Valley, which I just keep hearing wonderful things about, and I just hadn't watched. And I watched it, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought, "Oh." And it surprised me that I enjoyed it. Now, I talk a lot about this with other people on, about like when you work in comedy over a certain amount of time, it becomes harder to enjoy other comedy because you know the tricks, you understand the um, the kind of rules and all that sort of stuff. It's like any kind of craft uh, in any profession. You do it, Some of the magic goes a little bit, so it becomes harder. But I also do think that there's an element of... And this is something you, you said you would like to talk about at some point is like, are there how many great sitcoms are there at the moment? You know, like genuine, bona fide, classic sitcoms being made that everyone's and what and, and even in film as well, generally, like it's just a very, very odd time for, for comedies. I agree. I, I still think that in terms of movies, there are st- still incredible comedies getting made so a film uh, that I was lucky enough to see quite a while ago it's out this week is Keanu okay. uh, which is a, a Warner Brothers comedy and it stars Key and Peel. and if you are a comedy fan and you love to laugh and you love going to comedy nights and you love watching Key and Peel on the internet basically I'm just describing my own life <laughs> I, I I implore you to go watch this film. It is just well. These two guys that you're talking about, the they guys, are oh. um, they are genuinely hilarious guys. Now you know it's just their TV stuff is sketch shows, so always sketch shows always hit and miss. But I'll tell you who they is, remind me of, yeah. and I say this with love in my heart. They actually remind me a lot of Hale and Pace. What? Yes, yes, indeed. So I'm a, I was a big Hale and Pace fan, and some of Hale and Pace's sketches. It's very easy to knock Hale and Pace because it was you know it was ITV and some people. We're, we're critical of them. Some Hail and Pay sketches are really, really I'm funny. Begin- I'm beginning to think that all we do on this show is shout out to people 
people that um, don't get enough credit than they deserve. Do you so know I've what I mean? Said, I've said this, yeah, true. I've said this to other friends. And, and I Although feel like I'm, I'm not sure about, do you know, here's, this will blow your yes. mind. I was in a sketch in Hell and Pace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When mate. I was like 17 or something ridiculous, I had one line and it was the punchline. So that was, that was great. I can't believe you've always been my yeah. hero. And yeah. each week you just go up a few notches. But uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure with all due respect, uh, I, if you rewatch their stuff. Uh, well, it's because, so Hale, I can't I'm believe is, you're saying Key and Peele. Yes. Like Helen Pace. I'll I mean, explain, what, I'll explain because, because. I think you've taken drugs this morning. No, 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 no. I've, I've been saying this for quite a long time. So the reason being is that a lot of their TV sketches have a punchline that is a real, almost like a punch to the face. Yeah. I mean, it's a really aggressive punchline that gets a big laugh. And Hale and Pace would invariably end on a big killer punchline. And their their chemistry, I mean, I mean they're more versatile than, than Hale and Pace. I mean, mm-hmm. Key and Peele's ability to do different characters is like nothing I've ever seen Well, that's before. the thing. They're like character actors who happen to be brilliant comics. And it's their, for me, it's their physicality. They've just got funny bones. And the chemistry... The chemistry they have between each other. There's a scene in in Keanu where basically the the gag of Keanu is that they both play guys who've probably got a little bit too middle class the older that they've got. And in this movie, they they have to act incredibly tough to infiltrate some gangsters. And there's one scene where they're trying to act tough and on the spot they have to think of gangster names. And the way in which... Peel thinks of a gangster name on the spot, I won't spoil it, and the way Key reacts to it is comedy really? gold. It's a beautiful scene. So yeah, Keanu is my big recommendation. Keanu, um, just for people that are thinking, what is this this film? It's, uh, it's where their cat, who is called Keanu, That's is kidnapped, right. right? And they're trying to get the cat back. It's a great story. Yeah. So uh, they, in this day and age, you have to put out a teaser trailer in order to drum up uh, yeah. interest in a movie. And so they put a teaser trailer out for Keanu a long, long time ago. Keanu Reeves' sister saw the teaser trailer, immediately phoned her brother, told him all about it. He loved it. He phoned Key and Peele directly and said, tell me what I, have to, what I have to do to be in this film. They told him he took a break from filming John Wick 2 to ensure he appears in what, this movie. What, they must movie. have gone and done a reshoot or something for that? I will say no more. When oh, you see wow. the movie, you'll see how it. they did it. I love it. Beautiful. Keanu Reeves... God bless you, my friend. Um, Okay, so listen, we're going to have to wrap up now. Um, I thought that what I would do, because of how much we've spoken about him, there is only one person I could uh, play a song by right now. Now, Hale and Pace. Hale and Pace, who are one person. (laughs) He's listening to the stonk. (laughs) Oh, God. Still can't (laughs) believe that. I can't believe that. Um, I don't like bad-mouthing people, but when I last rewatched Hale and Pace, I was like, ooh. Definitely of its time. Watch that. Well, the table tennis sketch. Is we can't. We can't go into this. Okay. We're running out of time. Sorry. Um, so uh, there's only one person we can play a song by, and you're going to be surprised that this person even has songs, and that is Kevin Costner. He, right? He has a band and he plays songs. Now, admittedly, I've listened to the songs. Uh, they're not to my taste. I mean, I could say worse things, but I'm just going to leave it at that. However, he did the score to a TV miniseries that he did called Hatfields and McCoy. And it's really good. It's really good. It's really stripped down. It's folksy. And I'm going to play a song from that because we've spoken about him. Kevin, if you are listening, I'm sorry I don't love your other band but I love your films I love what you're about Um, here is Kevin Costner and Modern West with Devils a Long Way Home thanks James thank you I was empty handed this is a FUBAR radio podcast go to FUBARradio.com for more details